0: Let's join in the word and body. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and his reputation spread throughout the region. He was teaching in the Galilean synagogues, and all were loud in their praise. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Entering the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his habit, Jesus stood up to do the reading. When the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, he unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written. The Spirit of our God is upon me, because the Most High has anointed me. To bring good news to those who are poor, God has sent me to proclaim liberty to those held Captive, recovery of sight to those who are blind, and release to those in prison to proclaim the year of our God's favor. Rolling up the scroll, Jesus gave it back to the attendant and sat down. All of the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he said, Today in your hearing, this scripture passage is fulfilled This is the word of our Lord.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. God of freedom, you break the seals and let your spirit flow. Make us impatient to greet the time fulfilled where the poor are lifted up the oppressed set free, and may your love be manifest in Christ Jesus, the atoning servant for us all. It's in your name we pray, amen. The Liberty Bell, um, I visited it not too long ago when I was in Philadelphia. Um, It wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be because the line was super long, Um, but I saw it, and it was it was there. Um, but it has become an iconic symbol for Americans' independence, for freedom, for release. It's said to have rang as a during the reading of the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and kind of is known for potentially being rang on July 4th, but probably was rang on July 8th. But those are just facts that Wikipedia might want to share with you. More importantly, in 1830, the bell was adopted as a symbol by the abolitionist society. And that is who gave it its name, the Liberty Bell. And so on the side of the bell is the inscription, Proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. That passage comes from Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, this passage in the Old Testament that has been jumped over by many, is a passage about the year of Jubilee, a year which proclaims freedom, which proclaims debts that are owed are canceled, which proclaims release, which is about a returning to a home in a place. It is a freedom for all people that God declared over his covenant people. And one that from a very early time and up until now is usually not practically practiced. Proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. But this is the proclamation that Christ proclaimed at his inaugural address. When Jesus speaks first in the Gospel of Luke, he reads these words from the prophet Isaiah. And at the end, he says, as he's quoting Isaiah, about the year of Jubilee. Jesus is talking about a freedom for all people, a release for all people. And Jesus says today, Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Christ cried out in his first sermon, today God has sent me to ring out and to proclaim liberty to all of creation. And this good news will start with the poor. And so when we hear it this morning, this sermon from Christ, this inaugural address, I believe that it is still for us today. Not just yesterday, not tomorrow, but for all people today. But before Christ proclaims this sermon and his hometown, we'll find out next week, doesn't really like it and gets pretty angry and tries to kill them directly after it, Before all of that, Christ goes through one of the most important process that I think is one of the most important things to see in Scripture, and it honestly is my favorite passages in Scripture, from Luke 3 to Luke 4. I call it the Christ process. This movement, this journey that Christ takes that I think invites all of us to take as well. So before he says these provocative, beautiful words of freedom and release, he goes through things to get to that place. It starts with what we talked about a couple weeks of Jesus' walks with humility and vulnerability into the baptismal water. And as Christ is in the water, the dove comes down and says, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. So before Christ starts anything, before Christ does anything effective, his identity is centered. His identity is placed as a beloved child of God. And when we, come into, when we come in to worship this Christ, when we walk through the waters, when we seek our identity, what we find scripture saying to us is that yours is as a beloved child of God. That is the place you were born that you start and you will end. The hard part is believing it, accepting it, receiving it. Christ receives that as the beginning of this process it said the Spirit spoke these words. So comforting, so loving. And then the Spirit, directly after that, it says, leads him into the wilderness. Now, I don't totally understand this Spirit. It seems a little like, um, like what am I, the beloved or wilderness? Which one is it going to be? Directly after, Christ is still wet with baptismal water, and it said the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 years days this easily represents a story that all of us have experienced and that many of us may be experiencing right here today in this room a wilderness a suffering a trial a wondering you know what will i've heard you say over the last eight years that i'm a beloved child of god but i in this time i don't know i don't know if that's true I feel the temptations, I feel the struggle, I see the suffering of the world that is hungry and I just want to give it some bread. Jesus is led into the wilderness. It is a path of descent that if we seek transformation in our life we cannot go around or over but must go through and we don't go through it once but life has a way of leading us through that path again and again. And so the spirit that called him beloved is the same spirit that led him into the wilderness and it's the same spirit that leads him out of the wilderness and into the synagogue with the body of people. And the spirit leads him into the synagogue and he is given the passage for this day. Not picked out, probably just the reading that was supposed to happen. There's a timeliness to the spirit. And Jesus proclaims loudly after one who is called beloved, after one who has gone through the wilderness, Jesus with integrity, with depth, and with his whole being proclaims these words from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the God is upon me because the most high has anointed me to bring good news to those who are poor. God has sent me to proclaim liberty to those held captive, to recover the sight of those who are blind, to release those in pro- in prison to proclaim the year of our God's favor. Jesus unrolls this scroll and he reads these words to proclaim the year of God's favor. Literally meaning a year of jubilee, of liberty, freedom, and release, a time of restoration, a time of freedom for all people. One of the things that's important as we seek to follow Christ is that we also need to examine and know the way in which Christ receives and works with Scripture. Jesus gets this passage, and the passage is actually a mix, we don't know why, of Isaiah 61 and part of Isaiah 58. Jesus may have been purposely kind of putting those together because he wanted to emphasize some things. But in Isaiah 61, the passage ends with this. This is the year of jubilee and of God's vengeance. Jesus leaves off part of it, a year of judgment, and just proclaims a year of jubilee. In my opinion, and more importantly in the opinion of people much smarter than me, this was not an accident by Christ. But Christ was proclaiming through his very being and body and presence in this world that now we will bring, we will bring jubilee to all people. We will, it will be a restorative justice that comes from the very belovedness of God. God is remaking us into the very image of God and is driving his force into this world through love. And this is what Jesus' mission in life is about. In short, for Luke, it's about proclaiming the dawn of a great jubilee of liberation, release, restoration, and return. And accordingly, this good news comes first of all not to the rich, but to the poor, to the disadvantaged, the downtrodden. In this inaugural address of his ministry, Jesus is pretty crystal clear. That the good news is above all about God lifting up the lowly. My friends, if the news is not making sense for the poor in our world, God is saying it's not really good news then. And so Jesus speaks this message to that community and to those people. But to have any understanding of Jubilee to go back to Leviticus 25 is to realize that the ideal of Jubilee isn't just for the benefit of the poor. It starts there. But it is about the health and the well-being of a, soci- of a whole society, that Jubilee is for all people. The idea of a collective liberation Everyone will benefit when liberty envisions, extends across the neighborhood. That's That's the heart of Jubilee. And so following Christ, it turns out, isn't about chasing down our own personal salvation. It's about participating in God's restoration. For the most vulnerable, for ourselves, proclaiming good news to the poor and helping to build a world that is worthy of this proclamation. We are all tied in this together. And so when one suffers, we all suffer. And Jubilee says there is a collective liberation in which all are needed. And so we join our story with the other stories in our world, with the story of creation itself longing for restoration. On Monday, um, our country celebrated Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King once said, An individual has not started living until he or she can rise above the narrow confines of his or her individualistic concern to the broader concern of all humanity. Have we made this movement? A movement from the individualistic concern to the concern of the broader to the concerns of all humanity to be honest it's really hard to do exhausting tiring i know you've experienced the burnout of even maybe just reading through the news that's a real thing We are called to be free and receive Christ's jubilee. We are called to know the concerns of our world and pray and be engaged in the freedom of all. And in their freedom is our freedom. And Jesus doesn't send us alone. But we are led by the Spirit into this place. A collective liberation. But the passage that he read and he explains... what he's coming out from the words of Isaiah that were from a long and time and far away, when Jesus said them and when he spoke these very words, he was saying these directly apply to himself here and today. The idea of scripture being fulfilled in and through contemporary events was a powerful and widespread notion in Jesus' day. Not just saying, "Okay, when is the? How many days will this be until the end of the world?" or things like that, but just trying to understand this story and the scripture and these words that the prophets spoke, and the stories that they went through. How do they apply to my life directly today? for so many Christians I think we get so involved with just the facts and the history of it all that we miss the embodiment of the scripture that Jesus lives out and proclaims. In the desert he was there for 40 days. Jesus 40 days in the desert's echoes the Israelites 40 days wandering, 40 years wandering through the wilderness. You see Jesus always embodied truth. Not just spoke it out loud or thought it or listened to it, but lived it in his very bones and blood and flesh and life. Jesus embodies its essential ideas, its energy. He crystallizes them, he incarnates them, he fulfills them. As one author put, Jesus fulfills, fills them out, these scriptures out, like an arm sliding perfectly into a tailored sleeve. This is the notion of fulfillment. You see, these readings from Isaiah that Jesus spoke aloud were going to turn the world upside down. But it wasn't just words to Christ. It was his very life that he embodied for this time and for this day. And so just like Christ walked through the baptismal waters and was proclaimed as beloved. And so when we walk through the waters, we take on that identity that Christ has given us, that we are beloved sons and daughters and children of God. Just as Christ walks through the desert and through the hard times and the temptations and the suffering, he doesn't say, hey, that's not going to happen. I've saved you from that. He said, you will walk through the wilderness as well. But know that I have been with you and I will be with you. Just like Christ dies and suffers and bears the wounds of loving others, so you, as you take on the Christ life, will die, will suffer. And if you love, you will bear its wounds upon your body. And just as Christ resurrects, the scripture says one day We too rise with him. And so these words that Christ says, I fulfill in your today, for this moment, are words for us. For us to engage, for us to be about, for us to proclaim jubilee throughout this world. One of my favorite authors, Shane Claiborne, um, runs a small community of what they call ordinary radicals um, in downtown Philly, often known as trying to bring restorative life and jubilee to um, a poor community. One of the things that he did on um, what was maybe thought of to be a year of jubilee is Shane and some others went to Wall Street, and they just proclaimed that, you know what, the wealthy just keep getting wealthier and the poor just keep getting poorer. And so they had a party in which, in the front of Wall Street, they had a party in which they invited all of those who felt downtrodden and poor, and they just celebrated. They celebrated, they partied together, they threw out change and money for all people, and tried to proclaim freedom and dignity. In doing so, he gave this invitation that isn't for yesterday, it isn't for tomorrow, but my friends, it is for us today. Shane wrote, "So here is the invitation. It is a call for all superheroes and antiheroes and ordinary radicals. We are all inviting. Peop- we are inviting people all over the world to simultaneously, wildly, and wonderfully orchestrate random acts of jubilee." Maybe you will hide money in alleyways and park benches. Maybe you will drop, maybe you will drop rubies from a hot air balloon to a slum in India, India. Maybe you will take someone out to lunch that you do not know to hear their story. Or learn to quilt with an older lady. Maybe your religious communities will match every dollar they spend on buildings and programs with a dollar given to the poor. Maybe you can divest from the stocks that exploit and invest in micro, and invest them in microfinancing grants that enrich. Maybe you can get your office to sponsor a well for folks in Africa, or get your dorm buddies to give three dollars to buy mosquito nets for folks that might otherwise die of malaria. Maybe your college will create a scholarship for low-income youth. Maybe your neighborhood will pay off everyone's house before foreclosure. Maybe your business will forgive someone's debt. Maybe you can get your pastor to switch salaries with a janitor or your CEO to pay all folks the same wage for one year. Maybe America will forgive all third world debts owed to it. Maybe it's up to us. It's up to you. God is already on the side of Jubilee. God might just be waiting for us to enact it, to embody it, to be the change. My friends, I don't know what exactly it looks like to proclaim Jubilee into our culture, into our world. I do know that you're wise enough Discerning enough that you've thought it through. The challenge of our passage is will you embody it? Will, will you move from just the headspace to the body to the place in which we live these things out, not alone, but together as community? How can our lives embody these ancient patterns? participating in God's signature moves unfolding around us after all scripture can also be understood as a script as a dramatic scene as as the dramatic sense of the term written words on a page waiting to be brought to life in our life in our work in our dance maybe jubilee is for some of those around us and in our world But maybe this year even, jubilee is for you directly. Jesus, as he adds both passages from Isaiah, he repeats two words. And the words are release and release. And anytime you repeat two words, you're trying to make a point. So Jesus brings in another passage that says, this is a time of release. My friends, all of us suffer from being in bonds All of us suffer from the different things that hold us back from being fully alive. What may God, the Spirit of God, be releasing you from this year? A fear, a trauma, a greed, a consumption. There is release in this God that we come to worship And this release is not something that do we do solely as individuals, but we join with the power of God and we join with the power of his body, his community with other people to seek this release for ourselves and for all. So, beloved of God, proclaim liberty throughout the land for all the inhabitants. Let the bell ring for the poor, the prisoner, the refugee and immigrant for the blind, the rejected, for you, for all people. May the jubilee of Christ call us to the very center of the wilderness. May it name us as beloved, and may it anoint you with an embodied life that proclaims good news and collective liberation for all people. My friends, let's be a people who celebrate Jubilee in our community, in our world. Let's pray together.